So, um, uh, when I remember that when I first came to Santa Cruz Zen Center, I was looking for a bigger perspective. There was lots more to it, but I can actually remember simplifying that over the years and saying to myself and to other people, I need a bigger perspective on the on my life and um and within short order of coming here and hearing about suzuki roshi and his teachings i learned that uh, this practice was about cultivating big mind and that sounded pretty good. It made me feel like I came to the right place. Um, so <clears throat> small mind is our everyday mind that we really, that's very useful for um, keep, keeping ourselves safe, uh, looking both ways, before we cross the street, for instance, um, we make, uh, it's, it's called uh, discriminative mind. We, uh, we choose between this and that. Uh, we choose things that we think are right and which are wrong, um, which are safe and which are unsafe, which are good, which are bad. These are all our personal decisions and small mind is kind of small it's it's kind of limited it's based on uh, on what we've done before what what we've heard about what's been taught to us it's got a limited range of uh, of choices but they're tried and true and they get us by they get us by decades of our life uh, and uh, so it's it's a it's a valuable it's a valuable thing, but um, Zen sort of points and says, you know, just remember it's kind of limited, and um, and our Zen practice is is um, is about uh, kind of dwelling in big mind, cultivating big mind um, and big mind it holds everything it even holds little minds so they're not separate but it, it kind of holds the whole works and um, it uh, accepts everything it doesn't reject anything it just holds them peacefully um, and allows for other possibilities. So that um, since it's holding everything, um, 
the actions that come out of big mind practice uh, are for the good of all beings, or it's for the harmonious existence of all beings, because it's even holding the opinions of all beings, uh, something that I uh, may not have thought about. So, so when I can, when I can expand into this big mind and and negotiate the world with big mind um, it's for the good of all beings um, and what comes out of small mind helps me get around pretty well um, but uh, it can also lead to my suffering and suffering of others. So, um, so our practice is is uh, in our zazen, which uh, most of us did did uh, before the the meditation here. We we're we're kind of cultivating big mind so that when we when we leave the zendo, um, we can we can hold that big mind, the mind that, that, um, that doesn't discriminate between good and bad, but just holds it, just considers it uh, without a value judgment. Shall I try this? Shall I try that? And, um, and then what comes out of that is for the benefit of all beings. Uh, it promotes harmony. Uh, so this this is kind of uh, in a nutshell what I've been what I've been what I've been looking at. Um, uh, a few of us uh, zoomed in and heard uh, Kokyo talk about Dogen last week, and and he he said about practice. He said. Um, he said, uh, anytime we drop the ego or, uh, or loosen up our grip on the ego, this is our practice. Uh, it means that we're, we're at least facing in the direction of holding all possibilities. And, um, and if we stay facing in that direction, then our actions really are for the benefit of all beings. So I kind of liked that, that, that idea. And you know, it doesn't do me any good to, to forget the part of my ego that uh, looks both ways at the corner. That's, uh, that's not the part I'm gonna drop. I might, I might drop, um, uh, you know, my, uh, you know, the idea that everything that comes into my head is the right thing. I might loosen up that idea a little bit because I know <laughs> it doesn't take long before you realize that, oh, people have other thoughts that they think are the right thing. And uh, so uh, it doesn't take long to, to say, you know, we've got to figure out a way to hold all of those, all of those thoughts and, um, and uh, get through this world a little, a little harmoniously. So, so I kind of liked uh, Kokyo's idea.
Procopio's thought about, you know, drop, drop the ego and you're practicing. You're practicing the Buddha way. Or, or as uh, Uchiyama said, open that hand, that grip a little bit. Uh, keep the look both ways, but loosen up a little bit on your, um, on your political ideas. And, and, and listen, listen to, to uh, other, other people's thoughts. So, um, um, Catherine, Catherine uh, talked once about, about opening up. She said that she was in a quandary about something in her life for weeks and as much as she thought about it she couldn't come to a resolution and um, she brought it into zazen thinking okay i'll bring this thought into zazen maybe that will open it up but um but that didn't work um <clears throat> and and you know catherine catherine really looked at, looked into her body um, quite a lot. So she, she thought she would just be mindful of, of her body, you know, where she was feeling constriction or tension or discomfort and just took on a body practice <clears throat> with, the, with the, the quandary kind of in the background. Let me, let me really look at my body with this quandary in the background. And she said she wasn't ready to um, say that that was the thing that worked because she had to work with this body practice for, for a time, but, but it was something that uh, was less frustrating to her. Um, uh, and she was able to maintain it. And she said, after after some time, she just got some new ideas about this quandary that opened it up, that opened it up for her. And so she was sort of saying, I would recommend trying this body practice um, when you're in that quandary. She, she of course, um, has also said once, not about this, but she said the body sort of is our non-conceptual mind. It holds a lot of wisdom that, that isn't put in words, um, but, is, but is just held, uh, maybe as tension, maybe as relaxation. Um, but, um, but if you want to study the whole works, um, uh, study your body as well, you know, uh, the sensations in your body your posture, um, when you back away, when you move forward. Um, so, uh, and, uh, and, and kind of uh, bringing to light those, um, those hidden non-conceptual, that, that hidden non-conceptual wisdom uh, that brings other possibilities to the foreground. So, so that's I, I, I think I think what I'm doing in this lecture is trying to uh, t 
think for myself how to um, how to bring big mind into the foreground uh, more often and um, negotiating my life um, with big mind rather than uh, my habit energy of, of the small mind. So, so, uh, so Kokyo's suggestion was um, be aware of your ego and loosen the grip on that and see what emerges. Catherine, Catherine said, um, uh, uh, look into your body, study your body, and see if, if non-conceptual wisdom might emerge and point you in another direction. Um, you know, we, we study mindfulness in this practice quite a bit. And mindfulness um, is, is defined as a clear seeing without judgment. So dropping that, um, that kind of judgment mind, but trying to see things clearly, sometimes just dropping that judgment mind uh, uh, makes, things, makes things a, a little more clear. Um, like all of these practices, of course, we, we, we have to, something needs to uh, trigger us to, to turn towards that practice. And, 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 and you know, uh, for me, sometimes just the frustration of a difficulty that I'm in is a mindfulness bell to tell me, oh, you know, what am I holding on to? What, 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 what's keeping me stuck? Um, and uh, and uh, just that turn can, uh, can kind of open, open things up. Okay, drop those judgments, Patrick. Um, and what, what do you see without judgmental mind jumping in the way? So sometimes just the frustration of, of the situation um, rings that mindfulness bell uh, and uh, turns us towards big mind, turns us towards spaciousness. Um, the mindfulness bell was almost one of the, one of the first practices I, I, I learned. I, everyone, everyone uh, uh, that I can see on the screen, and most of the people in the room know that I came to Zen Center. Um, uh, finally, I came here because uh, uh, there was going to be a, a cooking workshop. Ed Brown did a cooking workshop. And uh, okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll learn cooking and I'll learn a bigger perspective um, at the same time. But, um, you know, at, many of us here have done cooking workshops with Ed Brown, the Zen teacher and uh, author of Tassahara Cookbook and uh, one of the founders of Green's Restaurant and Tassahara Bread Book. Um, but, uh, you know, he would give us all an assignment, you know, chopping here, measuring here, and, uh, uh, 
we were able to engage with each other, see what each other was doing. But every so often, he would ring that bell, and we would just put down our cooking implements and just take a few breaths. And just that silence and that awareness to the whole works was, was just incredible for me. Um, and it was so simple and, uh, and uh, really was about um, a larger, bigger perspective, a bigger view, a more wholesome view. And then after a few breaths, we started chopping again, or stirring again, or blending again, and and the energy in the room would uh, would rise. We would talk and, and joke, and and then you know, 15 minutes later, the bell again. So uh, so this so this mindfulness bell, paying attention. You know what what mindfulness bell uh, would you use? a few times a day to, um, to uh, point you in the direction of wholeness, uh, of, of uh, dropping the ego, of getting fully into your body. And uh, in the middle of a quandary, uh, I think uh, frustration has been, has been the ringer of, of mindfulness for me. Um, Kazan, our, um, the, the, um, fourth ancestor after Dogen, Kazan Jokin was born, uh, 68 years after Dogen was born, four generations, um, uh, most of us here are four generations after after Suzuki, and we were born fifty or sixty years after Suzuki was born. And I think he was born in nineteen hundred. So even though I I never met Suzuki, um, uh, I practice the Suzuki way. Um, as taught to me by, by uh, teachers that did practice with Suzuki. So um, it feels like we're, we're kind of close in, in years. Um, and, and, and it's the same with, with uh, Kazan, Kazan and Dogen. They were close in years, even though they, they never... Um, Kazan's grandmother studied with, with Dogen and, um, and Kazan uh, was always grateful for the spiritual life that his grandmother pointed him towards, the Dogen way of Buddhism. And, um, and where Dogen brought kind of monastic forms, monastic rigor to uh, 
Soto Zen in Japan. I mean, he developed Soto Zen in Japan. Uh, Keizan, four generations later, tried to make Soto Zen more accessible and brought uh, women into the practice, brought lay people into the practice. Um, uh, one essay I wrote, I read uh, uh, before this talk said that, um, that soon after Dobin's death, things started loosening up. Uh, and uh, to, for the, to the end of, uh, uh, in the direction of accessibility. So, um, so uh, to this we owe gratitude to, uh, to Keizan. When Suzuki came to the United States, he, he, he started um, adjusting the forms, the bows, the ceremonies, um, thinking that if, you know, I, I want to make Dogen Zen as accessible as possible to Westerners. And so it, it, really, it really is a tradition that has flexibility and growth and um, attention, attention brought to it generation after generation. But um, Kazan writes, writes about uh, Zazen in an essay called Zazen Yojinki, which means um, uh, points to remember when practicing Zazen, when practicing the seated meditation. And I'm going to start, I'm not going to go over the whole works. I'm, I'm actually going to start in the, his last two paragraphs where he talks about getting up from the cushion, because that's, that's kind of what, what this lecture is about, how to get up from the cushion and, uh, and uh, realize big mind throughout your day. So this is what Kazan says, <clears throat> points to remember when getting off the cushion. That's, that's me, that's my line. He says, after coming out of stillness, when you carry on your activities, the present event is your koan. Uh, and um, when you, well, the koan is right in front of you, your life, um, is the present happening. I just thought that was a great kind of practice, practice instruction. Um, and, and we've, we've heard, we've heard that, we've heard that before, uh, that, that our life is our koan. And, and the negotiating our life is seeing its 
its wholeness. And that's the resolution to, uh, to all koans that we study. You know, what's the sound of one hand clapping? Uh, it immediately puts you in this one side or the other. You know, one hand can't clap. I know what clapping sounds like on this side, but one hand can't clap. And as you work with, with all of those formal koans, um, I'll give you the, the, the answer to all of them is um, wholeness, is uh, there's no barrier that, um, that we hold all things, is kind of non-dual consciousness, which is another name for big mind that holds all things. And so, um, so for, for um, <clears throat> Kazan to say that, um, that when we get up from Zazen and, uh, and uh, drive back to our homes, uh, start looking at, at, at all of that as, as a koan, uh, the, the solution of which is wholeness, is no separation is the whole works, the whole works. I think that's a great practice. He says, um, that which is before any sign, the situation on the other side of the empty eon, the spiritual capacity of all Buddhas and ancestors is just this koan. So he's saying that, that, that what we negotiate from the minute we step out of this door is none other than the mind of the Buddhas and ancestors is none other than the, the timelessness of the empty eon, um, is none other than this um, before there are any signs, before, you know, this mind that uh, our original mind that uh, uh, before we start discriminating into this or that, that the, every simple thing that we, we do out in the world is nothing but um, the activity of Buddhas and the thoughts of the Buddhas and ancestors. You should, when negotiating the world, um, you should rest, cease to be, be cool. Live completely in the now. This translation says, pass myriad years in an instant. So when negotiating, uh, th th these are other qualities of, of the Buddhas and ancestors. These are other qualities of our original mind. Rest, cool, 
completely in the now. Be cold ashes. A withered tree. An incense burner in an ancient shrine. What an image that is. Uh, uh, I, I, I can just imagine uh, coming across an abandoned Zen center. Where would that be? Where would we see an abandoned Zen center with, with the vines growing through the windows, um, uh, with, with, with uh, weeds uh, twining around the altar? And, and if, we, if we pull those, those twining vines away, there's an old incense burner with uh, ancient ashes in it. Um, and, and I think that's a great, uh, great description of just not coming up with a judgment or an idea. Just to, just to be, you know, that, that ancient incense burner can't wait for someone to come along and, and plant a piece of incense in it. It will take anything. If you want to put a coin in there, if you want to put a lucky seashell in that incense burner, uh, it's just waiting to accept anything. And, um, and this is Dogen or uh, Kazan's instruction for how do I, how do I greet the world? Um, what, what mind do I greet the world in? Uh, greet it with that, with that mind that's, that, will, that will, is just waiting for a piece of incense. This is my intention, uh, Kazan ends that article with, to cultivate, cultivate that mind. Um, you know, uh, I, in Monday, some of us in this group are in Monday's uh, book group, and we're finishing up, we finished up our book, our last book, and I, can't, and I put them all on a list. We had 10 choices. Uh, of books that people had recommended, and we we needed to make a decision, and we went around the the screen. Some of us were on the screen. Some of us were were together. We everybody spoke uh, on their choices. It it kind of people you could have two choices, but people expressed their their choices so that we could kind of close in. On, on making a making a final choice, and uh, and I, I I called on one person I and said well, what are your thoughts, and she said I have no thoughts, and um, you know I think we all took it to mean like I could go along with anything, and I think that's I think that was nice to hear. That was certainly in the direction of um, of harmony, even even though we, you know, ultimately we had to make a choice. And but she was saying, um, you know, anything 
they're all good and they you know they're all classics they're all they're all great so uh that was maybe in the spirit of um uh, uh cold ashes a dead tree an incense burner in an ancient shrine um and it 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 was it kind of moved us it, it didn't slow us down uh it moved us in the direction of of making a choice so it was it was i thought i thought very skillful um I'll do one last quote here in this in this um, essay by Kazan. He quotes the Buddha, who says, who said, learning and thinking are like being outside of the gate. Sitting in meditation is returning home to sit in peace this this mind of of incense burner in the ancient shrine this mind of of our original face and revealing the scenery of our basic ground of wholeness. That's, uh, that's um, Ember saying that she's ready for cookies. If you heard that knocking, it was the Ember's tail against the baton. That was the mind that Kazan says is crystal clear, naturally radiant before form and emptiness are separated. He says, with this mind, how can there be subject and thinking when everything is clear, when everything is radiant before form and emptiness have separated? So learning and thinking is just outside the gate. Uh, maybe um, maybe sitting on the porch listening to us chant uh, the chant uh, the evening chants. Maybe that's sort of the mind of of learning and thinking. What, what are they doing in there? Do they think all that chanting and bowing is going to lead them to enlightenment? That's uh, that's that's uh, just outside the gate. It's our practice right here on the cushion and chanting and bowing together that is entering our true home and sitting in peace. Maybe we've got time for a few questions. Thank you very much. Any thoughts on this, um, on 
on cultivating big mind and uh, and uh, how to negotiate uh, our lives. Um, what if um, what if every decision we made was was about uh, for the benefit of all beings? Uh, what a, what a, what a tiny little pivot that would be rather than just for my benefit. Um, uh, it would be just a tiny, a tiny pivot. Any, uh, so uh, Kathy and then Liz. Hi. Uh, <laughs> very, very sweet uh, talk. I. Uh, I appreciate a couple of things. One is you uh, bringing in. Uh, do you have feedback on your end? It's a long story, Kathy. <laughs> I have to turn mine up way high for the recording to work. Okay. But uh, it also causes feedback when there's another mic open. Okay. Um, so I appreciated you bringing in that term negotiating negotiating our life. I know that's in one of the Dogen quotes about, you know, that we negotiate our way in Zazen because it really, that's like the honest expression of what it feels like is that we are just trying to figure out how to do this, just trying to figure out how to live our life, how to, um, how to um, find our wholeness. So, um, you know, the, the way that you talk about um, frustration as the thing that rings your mindfulness bell, maybe frustration, it's just your, yourself wanting to realize its wholeness, right? And wanting to remind you of your essential state of wholeness. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And Liz. Yes, thank you for the talk, and I really appreciate the uh, the image of the infant soul just ready to receive. That's that's really uh, helped so much because I starting that places the consciousness outside of the small mind already, and I was uh, at first I was like, oh yeah, this is so great, but how do you do that? But when you give up yourself and you and you just are the insensible, that's it. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, a, line, a line in, in one of Gene's lectures years ago was, um, he said something about, um, can, can we let the sound come to our ears rather than our ears reaching out for the perfect sound, for the perfect entertainment, and and he did that with all of the senses. Can we let can we let objects come close to our eyes rather than peering out for the next uh, uh, bit of uh, entertainment? And uh, and and that that's that's the spirit of that incense, the the ancient incense holder that's just waiting for um, 
for the next event to come right to be intimate with it. So uh, thank, thank you. Thank you both. And uh, Sandra. so i think so and 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 each moment you have to identify you know what what am i what am i holding on to here in this moment uh what uh, that that can be released for the sake of all beings um what like um you, you know um uh Thich Nhat Han in in his book of of little uh little sayings, little gattas. You know, one of them is uh, when you get in your car, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, do I really need to take this car ride and, and, and burn, this, uh, burn this fuel? Uh, or should I think about uh, the most efficient way to use this car um, so that uh, I'm, I'm keeping my fuel use to a minimum? You know, just, just things like that. Oh yeah, you know, maybe, Maybe if I go to the store later, um, I can also stop by in that neighborhood for this or that and, and make one trip out of it rather than two trips. Uh, so, so just, just, just decisions like that over and over again. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Or even things, I guess. So I really want to try to address that. I'm thinking, you know, back to the food again. You know, can I, can I, can I look at my food as, and just be grateful for it, for keeping me alive, rather than, rather than sort of say. You know, uh, this is delicious. Uh, uh, I, I, I love the fact that I learned how to make this recipe, uh, you know, which is more of a, gr a grasping nature. Can I, can I hold on to um, things a little more lightly and just be grateful? Um, so is, is that more, more what you mean? Yeah. Re realize that uh, running home for breakfast uh, you know, maybe I can hold, hold that a little, a little, a little lighter. Benjamin. 
And can, can you hear the questions on the screen? I have a question. And it may relate to the holding of the big mind and little mind at the same time, as well as the compromise between individual enlightenment, maybe, and group enlightenment. It has to do with the book club, your Monday book club. And my question is, what would happen if the 10 monks attend a book, the Monday book club with the intention of learning the Buddha's teachings? But when it comes time to pick a book, everyone has the same response which is that they have no thoughts. Then do these 10 monks leave the book club without a book? And how to navigate that decision, mm -hmm. both internally and as a group? Yeah. I, I think I think we would have just said, um, uh, you know, uh, Liz, uh, you, you make the choice uh, for this book, and, and and we would have all chosen Liz's choice, um, and and um, so this this um, uh, cultivating cultivating big mind uh, doesn't doesn't uh, still allows us, the, the world still kind of looks just like it is, and the book club keeps going, but, um, but uh, uh, we've just sort of all agreed that uh, we'll accept any of the choices. And, um, and, and I think, uh, you know, give, give, give such, uh, such big mind choices a try and see see if you can't see for yourself that oh the world looks pretty much uh, uh like like it always does um i still recognize myself um uh, i i uh i'm i'm doing my job now for the benefit of all beings and uh, and I go to the same place for my job, and the job looks the same, but it's just a little pivot, and um, and to to the in the direction of wholeness and harmony and accord, and I think you'll see that it all pretty much looks the same. A little bit of adjustments, uh, but it all pretty much looks the same. Is that is that is that a good enough answer? Maybe it wasn't a good enough question. <laughs> no, it was a very good question. A very good question. Our our time our time is up here. Uh, so so thank you all, and may we continue to practice with big mind for the benefit of all being in this simple practice of watching our breath 
relaxing our bodies and opening the hand of thought. Beings are numberless. I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to become it. Beings are numberless. I vow to end them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's 